We have been taking a look at Jesus' life and ministry, and we've been taking a look at that through the Gospels. The Gospels give an account of Jesus' ministry. What we call typically the Synoptic Gospels talk about Jesus' life, and many of them have the same um, incident perhaps recorded in a different perspective or from a different emphasis. Uh, but those are called the synoptic gospels because they have many of the same narratives and teachings uh, as each other. John, on the other hand, talks more about other uh, teachings and emphasis uh, and miracles that Jesus performs. Uh, and John himself says if, if we were to record all that Jesus said and, and did, that it, perhaps all the libraries could not contain uh, all that took place. And so John understands that he's writing from a limited amount, but the whole purpose of what he does say and communicate is to produce faith in, in us. So when we see an incident where all four of the Gospels talk about the same incident, then it seems to me that that incident itself is very important. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all discuss this particular incident about Jesus feeding a multitude. Since all four are there, we need to pay attention, and I also think that it sets us up for what Jesus is going to teach and preach uh, later, which is going to emphasize this particular incident. So both understanding this incident for what Jesus does and what it reveals about us, but also uh, what Jesus is going to teach related to this incident. So in John chapter 6, verse 1, we see, After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias, and a large crowd followed him because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover of the Feast of the Jews was near. This tells us that the people are following Jesus not because, as the blind man had said, that he's the son of David, the Messiah. They're following him because they're seeing what John calls signs, we would call miracles, uh, as he heals the sick. And they're wanting to see, if you will, the best show on earth. And so they're following Jesus, not because he's Messiah, but because he's a miracle worker. It also tells us at this particular incident that the Passover of the Jews was at hand. Now, under the law, all men who were believers in the Jewish faith were required, if at all possible, to go to Jerusalem on this feast. And so therefore, you will see a number of men will be traveling from uh, all parts of Judea and Galilee and even to other parts of the world, whether it's uh, in the other parts of the Roman Empire, because the law requires them to do that. Now, sometimes the men themselves would come because that was the requirement, and sometimes they would bring their families. And so, because of this large group following him, and it was an extraordinarily large group because of the Passover, uh, verse 5 tells us, Jesus lifting up his eyes and seeing 
that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? And this he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was going, intending to do. And Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. Now Jesus is testing Philip, and I'll tell you right now that Philip failed the test. He responds in a worldly fashion, as many of us would, that there are so many people that this would be a huge expenditure. Uh, a denarii was about a day's worth of wages, so G Philip is saying, even if we were just to give everybody a little, it would cost 200 days of wages to do that. But Jesus was doing it to test him because Philip should have known better. Philip was there when Jesus turned the water into wine. Jesus performed other miracles. He would heal the sick and the diseased. He would heal them by touching them or commanding or simply saying out of their presence that they'd be healed. He also cast out demons. He taught with authority. He even raised the dead. He raised the dead of a 12-year-old girl. He raised the dead of a, the son of a widow who was her only child, and he raised it. He did all of these things, and he continued to heal various people who were sick. So after seeing all of these various miracles, and as John says, signs, he should have simply said, I don't know how we're going to do it, Jesus, but I know you can. But Philip, like us, continues to look at the natural, and so he says, it's too expensive. Verse 8 says, one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are these for so many? Andrew, again, not directed for the test, but looks at what it is that we have. And he says, basically, I've taken a look, and there's a young boy, and he has five barley loaves and two fish. So apparently his mom packed him a lunch. Somebody was prepared for this long day. But Andrew knew that five barley loaves and two fish is not enough to feed Everyone, because what they had and what we have is not enough. And all too often we limit what we think God can do by what resources we have. If we have the ability to communicate something, then we try to communicate it. When the scriptures clearly teach that it is the Holy Spirit that draws all men. So we're always limiting what God can do by what resources we have. And Andrew follows that example. What we have is not enough. And Jesus said, now Jesus could have said, well, you're right, it's going to cost too much, 
and we don't have enough resources, so send everybody away. Let them be hungry. But Jesus doesn't do that because he's going to show his disciples, his true followers, exactly who he is and that your resources is irrelevant. So Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 500. I mean, I'm sorry, 5,000. So again, as I said, there's a number of men uh, transferring through Galilee and through Judea and all the other places to go to Jerusalem. So there's a larger group of men. The other gospel tells us it's just not 5,000 men who were there, but there were women and children as well. And so there's a greater number than 5,000. But every time you see it talked about that Jesus feeds the 5,000, he fed more than 5,000. There was 5,000 men plus women and children. And obviously the lad who brought the five barley loaves and two fish was a young person as well. Now, he's never commended, so I want to give an opportunity to commend this young man. Even though he only had five loaves and two fish and would not satisfy the crowd, and he could have said, I just have enough for me, he still was willing to share even if it was insufficient. And I think we should consider ourselves as well as being that lad who says, I am willing to share even though it seems to be insufficient. So Jesus then took the loaves and having given thanks, he distributed those to who were seated. Likewise also of the fish as much as they wanted. And when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing be lost. Now I want you to notice that with these five loaves and two fishes, Jesus fed more than 5,000. He fed 5,000 men. He fed his disciples. He fed the women. He fed the children. And it wasn't just enough for everyone to have something as Philip had said if they bought bread. Everyone ate until they were satisfied. And he said to his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. Now Jesus already is showing confidence in what he is doing because he had them distribute five loaves and two fish, feeding more than 5,000 And yet he's saying, I want you to gather up. That's what's left so it won't be lost. So obviously Jesus knows that his miracle was more than sufficient. It was an overabundance of supply for the need. And so they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. And the other gospel says there was also fish left over. But I think what Jesus is trying to communicate, Jesus could have had 20 baskets, 50 baskets left over. But I think what he's doing is he provided as a leftover one basket for each disciple so that each disciple would see that what was left over for them, that one disciple of the 12, was more than they started with. 
so that they might understand that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is master over spiritual things, master over teaching, master over preaching, master over the healing of the sick, master over those who have disabilities, master over all. Just like he turned water into wine. Likewise, when Jesus comes into our lives, he doesn't just give us enough grace to get us through. He gives us grace that is more than sufficient for whatever need we have and then some. Yes, he gives us saving grace, but yes, he also gives us grace that gets us through everyday life. He gives us grace when things are difficult. He gives us grace when things are easy. He gives us grace when there are requests that he has called us to do that seems impossible because there's not enough finances or not enough resources. And Jesus says, I can satisfy all your needs. If I've called you to do something, I will give you the resources to accomplish it. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. That's a great statement. That's a wonderful statement. And you would have hope that the people are starting to recognize that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. But the problem with signs and wonders without belief is that you wait for the next sign and wonder. And we're going to see not only will the disciples, but those who are going to follow him later are going to ask for more signs and more wonders than this. They've already seen him heal the sick. They're following him because he's doing that. They've just been fed because of his authority. And they acknowledge that he's a prophet until the next time comes. So my question to me and my question to you, do you follow Jesus because of the signs and miracles? Are you waiting for him to do something in your life that you can't do and that's why you're following him? But if you, he doesn't accomplish that right away, you fall off. Is your faith in what he does rather than who he is. Jesus is trying to communicate that yes, he has authority over all of these things. And he shows these signs and these wonders and these miracles to communicate who he is. But the signs and wonders are there as confirmation, but it requires faith. It requires a response. And so I encourage you to follow Jesus, but follow him because of who he is, not what he does. Don't limit your following of him because he hasn't done what it is you think he ought to do when you think he ought to do it. 
Sometimes God has a reason for delaying the answer to prayer. Sometimes he has a reason for saying no. But our faith should not be in the response, but in him. Because the next time difficult circumstances arise, if we're waiting for signs and wonders, then we'll fail the test. Because there's not enough sufficient supply. There's not enough money. There's not enough resources. But in essence, Jesus says, I am sufficient for you. He is always enough. It would have been better to be on that mountaintop, hungry and in the presence of God, than filled and let him walk away. And my prayer is that we follow him because of who he is and not what he does. And all God's people said,